Welcome back to another edition of the SBK Betting Podcast, where we'll be previewing Haydock and Ascot, some graded racing action this weekend. Before we do so, we uh, come off the back of an excellent weekend, and I don't know about listeners, I don't know about TC and Ross, but I really enjoyed Cheltenham um, all weekend. It was a excellent watch. It was some brilliant finishes, lots of drama, but some really good competitive action. What National Hunt Racing is all about, really. And delighted that uh, um, we got some winners for the podcast as well. Ross, um, Springwell Bay uh, at 9-4 beat at TC's Grey Name. Um, that was a in the end, quite easy for Springwell Bay. I thought it was a good performance. But TC delighted to find the winner of the Great Wood and the Berico Lord at 7-1. to one. Um, Tipped up on and talked about, waxed lyrical about on the National Hunt podcast preview. So if you haven't listened to that yet, um, we've already given you so many winners from that podcast. So you've, you're missing out. You've already missed out. Um, and we'll get into more of that. But also there was a place effort with Fugitive at 12-1. to one. So a 7-1 to one winner of the Great Wood and Fugitive at 12-1 to one was placed in uh, the big Gold Cup chase, which was won impressively by Stage Star. Um, but we'll go into this weekend and off the back of what, as I mentioned, was an excellent weekend of racing. It's really quite disappointing to see small field sizes for a couple of uh, what has traditionally been some really proper horse races, the Betfair Chase and the Ascot Hurdle. Um, we'll go into it, first of all, Ross, Great weekend last weekend, have to say. So when credit is due, we have to mention how great the racing is. But why do we face a weekend like this off the back of a weekend like we had last weekend? Do we have too many options? Do we not have enough good, talented horses? Because our field sizes for the Betfair Chase of four and for the Ascot Hurdle of just five is extremely disappointing. Yeah, and, and then you throw in the Ascot chase as well and that's you know not exactly full of talented types so um you have to match your product i.e the races to your customers which in, in this instance we're talking about the horses and the trainers and they're not simply not doing that are they there's there's too many options so trainers aren't forced to run horses in 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 sort of against each other until cheltenham they can easily dodge each other till then which makes for as far as I'm concerned, an unsatisfactory weight to the to the season, because as you know, I try not to mention the Cheltenham Festival until at least after all my last my mince pies have gone. Um, and even then, it's a bit early. Um, we had a walkover in a novice chase, so that tells you that they've not they're not serving the novice horses right. Um, it is a bit of a mess, uh, but yes, too much racing. Um, but that comes down to many things. And it's it's not an easy fix. I, I do get that. And I'm not putting my hand up saying I'd like to be the person in charge of fixing it. But from the sidelines, you know, from what we had last weekend, which were, were good fields and competitive races and classy horses. And, you know, OK, the real whacker didn't didn't deliver, but they ran him under a big weight off a high mark, as did stage star to a degree. OK, he was well served by the fact the real whacker was there. It does say that, you know, you, you can get competitive races, but it's clearly not all just about money and it's clearly not all about prestige. So they've got to somehow all get their heads together and, and figure it out. But I'm afraid the getting the heads together bit is not great in British racing at the moment. There's a lot of fractions that appear not to like to talk to each other all that much. Yeah, quite right. Uh, I was there for that walkover yesterday at uh, Warwick and I think Dance Girls has spoke a lot of sense about um, you know, the, the amount of racing that we have and and just 
not making sense midweek. Um, but weekends is when we have our customers and listeners and, and the like watching the, the majority of. So what's gone wrong? We could be here for, for hours talking about it, but we do want to preview the Betfair chase. It's just a, a warning and a, and a and a message to everyone that unfortunately we don't have a competitive really betting race and we will get to and we'll give more detail on the horses that I think TC and Ross really do like this weekend that are that are better prices and that's what we all want but you know we've got to give these grade one horses their mention and we've got Brave Man's Game we've got Corrupt Brambler, Protect Track, Last Year's Winner and Royal Pagai. no Irish runner which is a bit of a shame considering a Plutard turned up last two years and he won this race two years ago as well but for whatever reason, the Irish are staying at home, and this is what we have got. Um, TC, I say, you know, it's not really a betting heat because there are four runners, and we've got an essentially even money favourite, probably justified in Brave Man's game. Daryl Jacob coming on. What do you make of this? It's probably more of a news story race than a betting race, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That is completely a news story race, and. I don't know about any, uh, you guys or anyone else actually in the industry, but I wasn't anticipating Daryl Jacob to be the substitute rider for Brave Man's Game. Look, Harry Cobden is, in my opinion, and I'm sure in plenty of others, the best jumps jockey in the country right now. So the fact that he's not on board, is, it has to be a negative no matter what. And I just don't have much luck backing Daryl Jacob. I mean, it's some kind of coincidence, but uh, it just doesn't work out for me. Saying that, this race has no depth whatsoever. I mean, Royal Pagai coming off the long layoff and hasn't won for a long time. Corrick Rambler is not going to be primed for this, um, just working their way through the season until the spring. So you've basically got a match race between Brave Man's Game and Protectorat. Protectorat won the race last year. There's your case for him. But who did he beat last year? He beat Aplutard, who didn't turn up on the day. He beat Frodon, who hasn't won for a long time. Is probably a grade three horse now. Beat Bristol de Mai, who was 11 at the time and, you know, was a veteran at that stage of his career. And El Dorado Allen, who hasn't won since February 2022 and just isn't a top-class horse either. So, albeit Protectorat does have the winning form in this race, it wasn't a very good renewal. And Brave Man's Game is just a big step up on that. If Brave Man's Game does come back and Daryl rides him as well as he possibly can, then even money is probably a good bet. But as you say, this isn't a betting race for me. It's more of a, a new story. Will Daryl get the job done? And what, what's going to come out of this with Harry Cobden? Yeah, it's been it's been a bit strange, I think, the rhetoric around this, that it was sort of quite accepted that obviously he's got a big book of rides at Ascot, Harry, including the likes of Pick Dory. And there's also the argument that Donny Delahaye, the owner of uh, Pick Dory, has got many more horses than Brian Drew does, and uh, who owns Bra Brave Man's Game. So um, Harry Cobden should be on board the horses of the owners that uh, um, sort of dominate that yard. It didn't really work that. I think there's more that meets the eye there. I just wonder, Ross, you know, looking at what he did at Weatherby last time and seeing it, he got beaten. Um, you know, you could just conclude that Harry Cobden didn't get the job done, hasn't got the job done the last three occasions, rightly or wrongly. Um, I, I think Braveman's game personally has run big races regardless. That right run at Punchdown was after um, a, a big run at Cheltenham. So what do you make of it all? And, and what, do you, what do you think... Daryl Jacob is going to do to try and win this race and importantly beat losses when a protector out? Um, I think it's we're, we're not being told everything and, and that's fine why should why should we be told you know in sport what stays in the goes on in the, in the change room stays in the change room so I, I get that um, there's absolutely no way in the world that Harry Conn's been jocked off for not getting the job done he was second in the gold cup the horse made a mistake when tired at the last fence in the Charlie Hall. So 
I mean, I think the owners are pretty vocal, uh, the, the Drews, um, but I'd be very surprised if Paul Nichols was taking anything of that sort. I think he would hold weight there. And yes, Johnny Delahaye does have more horses. I think they said he had 16 versus the Drews, and, 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 and the Drews have their horses spread around, whereas, as I understand it, Johnny Delahaye has all of his horses with Paul Nichols. But by that token, are we saying that uh, uh, Paul Town then would get off galloping de Champ to go and ride a rich, Richie horse if Gallatin Bichamp's coming back and, you know, they've got a full book of rides down at Limerick or something. It just just doesn't happen. Um, so that's a bit strange. For me, the jockey booking blew my, well, it blew my hat off. You can see it's gone and most of my hair went too. I just don't see it. And they said that it's great to have someone that could step in if Harry was injured for the King George. Well, last time I checked, Daryl Jacob has got a retained position with arguably the biggest owners in the UK, or certainly the second biggest owners if you take JP out of it. And there's Christmas racing in Ireland where Paul Townend will go where he wants to go, which might mean that uh, Daryl Jacob is, is sent to Ireland to ride for Isaac uh, and uh, Simon Munir and Suede. I, it just seems bizarre to me. And as a jockey, he doesn't do it for me. I think he's far too... Um, passive in the majority of his rides. He always seems to me to be a jockey that lets the race develop around him. I very rarely see him grab the race by the scruff of the neck. And it just so happened that on the very day that was announced, Brani Frost gave one of the best rides you'll see on a horse that had been off the track for 600 days at Plumpton, pinged from fence to fence, actually is by Brave Mansonian, the same sire, incidentally enough. Um, it just seems a very strange decision all round. In terms of what I make of the race, it's it's not a race that I will be having a financial opinion in, but I can I can always give an opinion on a horse race. Um, Protector Act is just a horse that uh, has never really done it for me. I think TC was right. Uh, questionable what he won last year. And I think he ran to his level in the Gold Cup. And that's a better race to assess him on. Corrett Rambler, I could see the angle for him. I think he'll step forward from, from Cal. So I don't think that was his track. And I think they probably had him a little bit undercooked, but all of his best form comes in large field handicaps where he can weave in and out. Derek Fox can keep him interested and, and pounce late. That's very difficult to do when you've just got three others. Brave Man's game, I'm just very surprised they're running him if they want to go to the King George. I think he had a tough enough race in the Charlie Hall, and I'm sure that will have brought him forwards, but it's not that quick a turnaround. He tends to me to be a horse, I think, that's best when fresh. Um... So just at a short price, I could leave him, which leaves as the sort of token opinion, uh, Royal Pagai, who has been off the track for a while, but it's actually a shorter turnaround than when he made his seasonal reappearance last year in the King George. I think Haydock is more his track than Kempton. Um, any rain that might fall, and I don't think there is going to be any, but if it did, that would suit him. He's a strong stayer. All of his best form pretty much has come at Haydock. I don't think first time out is a problem. Venetia Williams is the, is the hottest trainer in the UK at the moment. So clubbing those ideas together, he would be, if I was given a £5 free bet, that's where it would go. But it's a race I'll watch and uh, no doubt have a fairly dull opinion of afterwards. Yeah, I agreed with you, Ross. I think it's um, it's a disappointment. I, I think Venetia Williams horse is in great form. Difficult to know what horse we'll see in Chipper Royal Pagai on, on Saturday, but like to hope that he might throw something in, but it's not a betting race for me either. And I think we could say the same for the, the Ascot hurdle, the 205. We'll, we'll, we'll um, have a quick look through this because 
Again, a race shaped by some horses that have been in and out in terms of their race record. Um, Tom, I'm not sure if you have much opinion, deep opinion. Obviously, Goshen is coming to defend his crown, but what kind of horse do we have this year? Sir Royal, he's getting to the end of his tether a little bit. And then we've got some younger pretenders. Maybe it's their time to sort of shape up, which is quite a uh, average-looking intermediate hurdle division. Yeah, exactly. I think this is probably a race where you take a shot at a horse at a bigger price. Look, it's another small field, another race that's not got uh, great quality in it. Uh, you used to have to run to a mark of 160 to win this race, which is laughable really now based on the field that we can see for this year's renewal. I mean, previous winners included like Vanny Power, Forheen. Uh, we also had Yanworth as well, and there were plenty of others that are very talented, just don't have that this time around. Now, there's actually only two horses in this field that have ever run to a mark higher than 143. Uh, and they're Goshen and So Royale. But as you said, So Royale is now 11. Goshen doesn't have Jamie Moore. He's super enigmatic. I just don't trust him one bit. So how can I bet him at two to one? I can't. So I have to look at a bigger price. I'm going to side with Strong Leader. You can't have him on figures. Um, he just isn't good enough based on official ratings. But at the same time, he's only had eight starts. He's one half of them and he's still improving. He's a horse that will love the faster conditions. Uh, the weather seems to be fair for the next couple of days and it's already around good to soft. So that will suit him. And I thought he ran an excellent second to a horse that you really like, Jess, in, in the pocket uh, back at Aintree in the grade one novices hurdle. His first run this season was pretty below par. He finished last. Uh, I think it was a Foss last, but I'm expecting him to come on for that. And he's the biggest price in the field. So I'll take strong leader. But again, it's another tentative race where I just don't like the favourite. Yeah, strong leader. I just, it was a bit alarming how poorly he ran in the Welsh champion hurdle, but I'm, I'm sure, and I know that Ollie Murphy's always uh, held this horse in, in extremely high regard. Um, Ross, what do you make of the sort of younger pretenders? We've got Blue Kinduru in there as well. Uh, the Mare Theatre Glory. Um, I don't really know how high her level is, but it, it looks like, in my opinion, a race where you could probably take on the favourites. Yeah, I, th I think so. I mean, I agree with what TC said about Goshen. It's it's a big ask for Niall Houlihan. And I know he won it on better ground last year, but that was a real rabbit out of the hat, wasn't it? All his best form is on testing ground. The one thing I would just say is he is a weird character. And Jamie Moore is a very strong rider. And he's only ever gone for Jamie Moore because Jamie Moore's the only one to ever ride him. And it could just be that sometimes with these strong-minded horses, actually meeting someone that's not so strong and doesn't know them quite so well might just happen upon some sort of a, a, a happy harmony, but that's, you know, it'll go one way or the other. It'd be interesting to watch from a, from a horseman's point of view, as far as I'm concerned, which is one of the more interesting angles in this race, if I'm honest. Blooking Daru, I think is definitely better than the level of form he showed at Cheltenham last time. To me, he had the race one turning in. That was where he was most impressive. And then he idled and got a bit tired up the, up the hill. And I think that was fair enough because a lot of Paul Nichols are doing that first time out. So he was of interest, but I just thought his entry level of form when beaten behind punctuation and he was he was getting weight five pounds for punctuation. Punctuation was only eighth in the Greatwood hurdle. Um, and kind of had his condition. So that just put me off him. Strong leader as a horse I loved, and I loved him last year, but it was woeful at Foss Lass, and there was no... Ollie Murphy wasn't able to come out and say why it happened, and that always slightly concerns me. Um, so it was the Mayor Theatre Glory that I came down on. Um, she got pretty close to Goshen at Sandown last year. That was more his ground, more his track. I think she's got more natural pace than him. Um, this better ground or suit. And Nicky Henderson is, is going along really well at the moment and seems to be able to get them ready first time out, which 
you know, we often would think they'd come forward for a run. And I mean, I'm sure Iberica Lord will come forward for a run, but he was more than good enough last weekend in the in the Great Wood. So I just uh, just liked like that one. And then just one other reason to go against uh, Goshen, which is worth mentioning. Gary Moore is just seven percent for the last 14 days, and that seven percent includes two winners of pretty much egg and spoon races at Plumpton that they were very short price favourites. Um, the yard's just not in great form. Um, Goshen is not the sort of horse that tends to go against yard trends. Um, so, yeah, definitely a horse that's uh, worth opposing. Yeah, on that note, though, I have to say you know, all our best wishes to Jamie Moore, who's out again with like a seriously bad injury. And I think anything would be a nice tonic for them in the family. Um, you know, they've all gone through the wards, that the Moore family. So it's um, not a great, great time for, for Jamie. But look, I, I couldn't... I, I couldn't be with him as well. I think it's a funny race. Brooke and Daru should have really ran in the Great Wood, but I saw a comment from um, Paul Nichols say that Johnny Delahaye likes to have his runners at Ascot. That's why it's quite a big day for him. He's got plenty of them. Um, and I just think he's quite interesting, an unexposed horse. He's clearly improved from a wind operation. I don't think it's going to take a huge amount of winning. He seems quite straightforward, whereas some of them are a little bit uncertain about you know what kind of horse they'll turn up so i'm happy to side with looking Daru. but again it's not really a betting race so we will move swiftly into our naps and next best because i think outside of the obvious grade one races there's some really good um competitive sort of handicaps at haydock um definitely um i'll start with you tom because it was a nice weekend for you last weekend. Another reason to plug our, our National Hunt preview podcast because we've had it's all done very well. This weekend, um, we've got, as I said, good racing ahead up. We've got your favourite. We've got some more weather action too. So let, let us know what, what you want to, to give us this weekend. Well, I'm out in Saudi Arabia, as you can see from the, back, uh, the backdrop, and you can see the, the lovely all-weather track here. And my nap is going to be on the all-weather, not in Saudi Arabia. Don't worry about that. Uh, it's coming at Lingfield in the 12.35 a horse called the Thames Boatman. Now, this horse comes with risks attached. So putting him up as the nap is never ideal. It wasn't the original plan, but the horse I did like for my nap wasn't declared. So I moved this horse up from the next best position. I was in the Sky Sports studios seven days ago when he ran at Wolverhampton in the evening card. He uh, knocked a bit of the railing off on his way out. He just doesn't seem to like that track. He was unruly at the start, reared up uh, as the, the gates were left open, and he missed three or four lengths. However, he was only beaten one and a half at the line. And actually ran very well to finish fifth. He's a horse that's very well handicapped. He can just put it all together on the track. And I'm hoping that the switch to Lingfield will see him in better light. Uh, I'm sure that he's uh, got the talent to beat this group. So the Thames Boatman in the 12.35 at Lingfield is the nap. And the next best does come uh, on over jumps. And that is Slate Lane in the 2.20 at Haydock. Um, he's around six to one. I don't know what price he's going to go off. At. I've seen seven to two with one firm. So that six to one may be just a one-off right now, maybe even a palp. Uh, and seven to two, three to one might be the right price. Emmett Mullins has campaigned him, campaigned him excellently well. Three wins in Britain uh, so far at Cartmel, Banger, Newton Abbott, low-class races and, and you know second-tier tracks. But the two horses he's beaten recently were Horizon Door um, at Banger and then at Newton Abbott, he beat a horse called Tommy Bow. Both of those have subsequently won two races, boosting his form dramatically. And Slate Lane beat them without coming off the bridle. Now, I know his mark has gone um, much higher now. I think it's 127 and he last raced off 113. But at the same time, Mullins would have wanted that so he could get into a race of this nature. He carries a relatively low weight. I think he's still very well handicapped. So Slate Lane in the 220 at Haydock is my next best. 
Okay, thank you. I think that's a really good race. I like the race, and my one of my selections is in there as well. And um, that stairs handicap hurdle, TC. Thank you, and en enjoy um, the the lovely weather. We're extremely envious as we sit here freezing. Um, Ross, um, another plug for the for that national podcast because it's for me. Favor and fortune, John Bon of all one for you. Um, we've got Chanty Classico, one of your um, horses to follow, declared Ascot on Saturday, um, but unfortunately, in a three-horse race. So I wouldn't be surprised if you're not going to be putting him up as, as a nap selection, but looking forward to seeing him, I'm sure. What else are you looking forward to seeing? Yeah, there's, there's a couple more at Ascot and a, and, a, and a good few at Haydock. So I hope I've come down on the on the right two. It's always less enjoyable sometimes when you have more to pick from. But uh, in the 12.40, the nap comes and it's real stone for Dan and Harry Skelton. Uh, was a little bit disappointing on seasonal return at, at Aintree, but Dan has been pretty vocal in the fact that he feels it's been difficult to get them ready because of the weather this year. They're all stepping forward a lot for their first run. This horse is a two-miler. was second at Utoxta last year behind Blackjack Magic, who went on to win the Badger Beers this year. That was a good level of form, and he travelled all over him coming to the last and then just empty to nothing over that trip. He just didn't stay. Uh, strongly run two miles on soft enough ground. Perfect round Haydock, nice long home straight to get rolling up. Uh, I would be disappointed if Real Stone doesn't land the 1240. And then the next best comes in the last race of the day at Haydock, at the Trevor Hemmings Colours, uh, which I always like to see. Famous bridge for Nicky Richards. Thought he made a fair return over two mile four furlongs at Air. He was staying on and then got a bit hampered and had to get going again. And it's to his credit, he did finish fourth. Um, I thought that was a decent run. I see him as more of a three-miler. He's a typical Trevor Hemmings horse. He's an out-and-out -out stayer. This soft ground will suit. Step back up to three miles will suit. He's only a couple of pounds above his last winning mark. Nicky Richards is being pretty selective with his runners, but he's at 25% winners to runners for the last 14 days. Uh, it would be unusual for a Nicky Richards horse not to take a step forward from his first run. They wouldn't be cherry ripe. So I'm hopeful that Famous Bridge will win the last at Haydock. Okay, a reminder of the Naps and Next Best TC um, has got the Thames Boatman at Lingfield in the 12.35 and Slate Lane in the 2.20 at Haydock. Ross, Real Stone in the 12.40 and uh, Famous Bridge in the 3.35 at uh, Haydock. And uh, in keeping with the Trevor Hemmings theme, um, my nap is Bones Park, a horse that was in my horse to follow, absolutely bolted up on his... Uh, win in his in his um first start of this season the victory coming um at stratford this form hasn't been massively tested he's now in a graded race at haydock and it's got a lot of depth to it but i'm just excited about this horse i think that he's got a good future and i'm looking forward to seeing um what he can do in this kind of grade i think it's kind of quite open there's no obvious horse um that sort of stands out um outside of him really in my opinion um and my next best is bold endeavor um, who does have top weight in that 220 where I'll be taking on TC, who's got Slate Lane. But he's a horse, he's a funny one. He looked like um, he was just a bit keen on his comeback run at Newbury. Um, I thought that, again, having to handle top weight wasn't, um, it was always going to be tricky for him. The handicapper hasn't been very kind to him, but still quite unexposed at this trip. And he's just a horse that always turns up and he's a double figure price. He's around 14 to one. And I'd, I've got hope for him. Got James Bowen on board, which I always like to see. Nico's obviously Ascot. James Bowen, good pilot. will give him a confident ride as his brother always does, Sean. And I'm looking forward to seeing him on Bold Endeavour in the uh, 220 at Haydock. So that's it. Again, another plug. As I mentioned, I've told you so many times now, so if it hasn't got into you all, have a listen to our Jumps preview. So much good stuff 
stuff coming out of that um, in recent weeks. So um, make sure that you um, write down all of the horses to follow. Hope you have a good weekend. Um, all we can say is enjoy the racing as much as you can, despite those small field sizes. Hopefully we'll have some bigger sizes for you next week. Um, a reminder that SBK Betting Podcast has launched a new football podcast, which will be previewing Man City versus Liverpool and giving the best bets for a very busy weekend of football action in England. So for all football fans um, who love their racing as well, um, make sure you listen to that. It will appear on the same feed as this very podcast. So without further ado, thanks to Tom. Thanks to Ross.